Hello all, and welcome back to the Playmakers Corner Podcast. I'm your host for this edition of Requests, Part 41, Cody Stoffer, and I'm actually going to be talking all about Class of 2022 defensive players from all across the country. Once again, if you are a Colorado kiddo in the Class of 21, please send in your requests as soon as possible so we can try and wrap that up. And Colorado Class of 22 kiddos, we are waiting to do top five lists until the fall to watch any of your film and we will still do your requests in the fall as we get to them and are currently focused on class of 21 obviously for any leftovers there and class of 22 and congratulations to all of the seniors this year who are graduating high school and moving on to the next phase of their life whether they have offers in playing football or you know are just heading into the the next part of their life whether that's college or work so but Enough with the introductions. Let's get started here talking about Landry Smith, the six foot two, 220 pound defensive end slash offensive tackle out of Alto High School in Alto, Texas. You know, I just want to preface this with Landry commented on a few of our TikToks requesting, or maybe it wasn't Landry himself, but somebody requested Landry Smith multiple times across multiple TikToks. And I will say that I am going to do the best for what I have, but he had a collective maybe hundred and like eight seconds of film, maybe. So he barely, if he had two minutes, it was just barely on his huddle. I looked around on YouTube. I looked around on Max Preps for as much film as I could. And, you know, this is a very limited sample size, but I will also talk about his accolades and such to you know promote him and try and project him couldn't find him on any social media either so other than tiktok landry smith is essentially a ghost but talking about some areas of improvement from the little bit of film that i saw is that landry here tackles way too high and there isn't a lot of versatility on the moves that he has um his, his favorite move is probably you know his his rip or, you know, just using his hands and throwing the lineman to the side. He doesn't show really footwork to me that spells finesse moves. He doesn't show footwork to me that spells spin moves like a prospect that we'll talk about a little bit later. So, you know, those are some concerns for me. It's just not seeing a lot of versatility and, you know, technique wise, definitely tackles way too high tackles at his height rather than, you know, getting low and exploding through people. And I think that that could be a potential weakness down the line as well against some offensive linemen. In addition to, you know, those areas of improvement for Landry himself to work on, just playing lower and tackling lower. I also want to say that, you know, from his film, the competition was interesting is what I will say. There were multiple plays within the hundred and like, 18 seconds that where the other team couldn't even get a snap done correctly, you know, whether or a handoff done correctly. And I found that he plays two a football in Texas, which, you know, still means something being Texas football, but two a, you know, he's not one of those that jumps off and, you know, dominates against other great talent. From what I could see, it looks like there's kind of a gap in talent. Uh, as far as Landry compared to some of those other teams and their centers that can't get snaps, their quarterbacks that can't catch snaps and what have you. It just happened so many times that it definitely drew a raised eyebrow from me and, you know, would from other scouts, at least looking at the huddle compilation that we do have. So 
unsure competition, plays too high, not a lot of versatility. And then talking about the strengths of Landry Smith, you know, he's very fast off the line. He gets his hands up before the offensive linemen do. And, you know, he fires out of his stance. He has a ton of velocity when going in for tackles, and he really puts a hurting on quarterbacks and running backs who run into him. And, you know, on the few plays that I did see, he does a great job of getting his hand on the football and, you know, forcing the issue of ball security on the offense and makes it a burden, right? And even forces a couple of fumbles. And, you know, he plays with a very high motor and, you know, he, he brings the pain on a variety of hits. You know, he's just a very physical player. He's He plays big, he plays strong. And, you know, I think that th there's a lot of raw physical capabilities that I really like from Landry here. And looking at his stats, you know, his stats aren't too bad. In nine games, he had four and a half sacks and, you know, also had a fumble recovery and caused a fumble and, you know, 34 tackles to go with it with 23 being solo and seven tackles for loss. So, you know, those are obviously some very solid stats from a junior in high school. And I think that, you know, with more exposure and more film to go off of that, you know, that could really help him. And in addition, he appears to be a really good, you know, offensive tackle as well. A couple of plays that he had on the offensive line side, you know, he showed good footwork and patience and strength uh, against the pass rush as well as, you know, being able to collect some pancakes in the run game. So, and, you know, on top of that, he was named to the 2A All-State team in Texas, which is, you know, a huge deal. And, you know, he was uh, he was an honorable mention selection. And, you know, that's at an offensive tackle position. So he's a very good force going both ways. And I think that that helps out for scouts, knowing that you could kind of recruit him and build him into the player that you want on either side of the ball. And you're going to get somebody who's going to work hard and play with a very high motor and just play super aggressively the entire time that he's on the field. So, you know, and the, talking about outlook with Landry Smith based off of the sample size that I have, you know, obviously he has next level size and, you know, I think there's just not enough for me here to do a projection. And, you know, I'd say that at the bare minimum, you know, go to a Juco, depending on how many snaps you're getting and, you know, get that film up, get that snap count up and go make plays against, you know, some competition that, you know, can get snaps off would definitely help. And I think that he could be a Juco player and then proceed from there, depending on the opportunities that he gets as a senior in high school and what have you. So that's Landry Smith, once again, out of Alto High School in Texas. Coming up next, we have a, another defensive end slash linebacker. Hello and welcome back to the Playmakers Corner Podcast. I'm your host Cody Stoffer and we are talking about the 6'3", 240-pound DN slash linebacker Chase Fambro out of Spalding High School in Griffin, Georgia. Chase here is an electrifying player and I had a great time watching his film and he is actually a commit to Army. So, you know, he will be playing ball on the next level and no, that's as a class of 2022 kiddo, he's already committed. So obviously, if that's not a testament to his talent, I don't really know what is. But talking about Chase Fambro and things that he does well, the very first thing that is obvious to any scout watching this guy's film is he is so incredibly fast. He's electrifying, lightning quick off the snap. He's usually the first one to move on either line on any given play. 
And not only is that a testament to a great stance and a great first step, I would say, but also I think it's a even bigger testament to his football IQ, knowing the plays, recognizing the formations, knowing the direction that it's going, being able to make plays in that direction, and just knowing the snap count and knowing and having the discipline as well to you know, not let the snap count be the bane of your existence and just playing really aggressively and flying off the handle, honestly. Chase, he's super knowledgeable. Like I said, with, with that football IQ, I could tell that he's in the film room. And, you know, I think that he uses his hands and arms extremely well whenever he's engaged with blockers. You know, he's able to block shed phenomenally. He has a little bit of variety of moves as far as, you know, finesse moves and just those those hand rush moves. And I think he's a pretty solid hand fighter as well. And he's a very interesting prospect because, you know, in the Under Armour All-American game, you could tell he's playing, he plays nose tackle, stand-up nose tackle. He plays down in the dirt defensive end. He plays outside linebacker. He can shift to inside linebacker. He's definitely a, I think the best way that I saw it described I believe on his Twitter was a hybrid defensive player who plays all along the box, you know, just with a great combination of size at that six foot three, 240 pound frame and just hilariously great speed. You know, he is so incredibly fast, not only off the snap, but, you know, moving around the field, he's able to take good angles to the football and, you know, go cross country for some tackles and, you know, just plays extremely well and extremely aggressively with, you know, excellent angles on top of it i also want to mention that you know he has a extremely contagious level of intensity and energy you know on every single play it doesn't matter if he made a tackle after five yards it doesn't matter if he made a sack it doesn't matter if he has a tackle for a loss he is celebrating making that monster hit he's celebrating getting a guy to the ground he celebrates breaking up pass plays he celebrates every single play he celebrates his teammates making the tackle you know he just has very contagious energy i say and you know he's just a very intense player who you know you're going to get 110 miles an hour 110 percent on every single snap from chase here and you know i think that he does it against some pretty decent competition out there in georgia you know some good georgia football and, you know, there are some linemen that, you know, I think have a good technique and they just are overwhelmed by the speed and athleticism of Chase here. I want to throw in to another strength of Fambro here is, you know, he is a very balanced player. He has very good body control. And I think that and a, a great example of that comes when, you know, there's a couple of plays on his highlight reel where people try and chop block him to slow him down. And, you know, he does a great job of staying balanced at the chop block or hurdling the chop block and still making tackles for loss or you know still impacting the play in one way or another so you know he's that's another testament once again to just being a mentally smart football player a mentally disciplined football player and like i said a very balanced athlete on top of all that to be able to carry out you know what your mind has set for that specific play in addition i want to mention that you know, what, or when he gets bumped off of his trajectory, you know, by guards or tackles that are pulling, he does a great job of adjusting to that and, you know, just further reinforcing the good angles that he does take. And last but not least, when he is asked to play linebacker, he has good shuffle steps. And, you know, I think he also shows a lot of discipline when playing that linebacker position. And, you know, 
I think that's a great summary of Chase Frambro. You know, obviously he has solid enough technique and he uses hands and arms extremely well, great balance, and just overall a phenomenal athlete that I'd love to have in my front seven and definitely, you know, a versatile piece that Army will be able to use in a multitude of ways. Talking about areas of improvement, you know, looking forward to either his senior year of high school or, you know, at Army. I think that something that I want to see a little bit, and this isn't something that he can help. Obviously, you know, it's a strength because he's such a great athlete. He's so fast. But a lot of the plays that he makes come when he's just not blocked at all. And the other team doesn't respect his speed. I want to see, you know, what happens when teams start doubling Chase Fambro. You know, what happens when, you know, the teams aren't pulling a strong side guard and he, no one's left to down block him because the play is supposed to be faster than him when he's always faster than the play. I want to see teams game plan, actually game plan for Chase Fambro because I can tell you right now that there is just not teams game planning for Chase. And he is, that's why he's lighting him up like a Christmas tree, honestly. So I want to see, you know, what happens when he does get focused on what happens when he is asked to go against double teams and how does he handle that? Because I just didn't see a whole lot of double teams on his highlight reel. And, you know, I don't know about his pass rush move variety. And one of those things that I'm talking about is I didn't see a bull rush or any kind of strength or power moves. And so that kind of makes me question, you know, how does to this 240 pound frame match up against some of those interior guards, some of those interior linemen, those centers and whatnot. And will that translate well to the next level where these linemen just get bigger and stronger? And there are some guards that, you know, once they get their hands on you, like how would Fambro here do against a Rod Green is kind of where my question's at. How is he going to do against someone who's a lot bigger than him and who's overall stronger? Is he still going to be able to evade them, especially with a guy like Rod Green who's really fast? You know, how is he going to adjust to that? Is he strong enough to make those kind of plays? And once again, if you don't know who Rod Green is, go ahead and check him out on the latest interview from Playmakers Corner. I believe that was episode... 38 was alignment special or it was on request part 30 but once again talking about fambro here you know i just want to see how does his strength hold up on the next level and i want to see a, a bull rush maybe a couple of times his senior year and you know i also didn't see a spin move and i want to see an emphasis on more precise footwork as far as you know like i like i feel like he has it obviously and he has the balance and the athleticism and the technique to do it I just want to see it in practice. I want to see him open up his repertoire. I want to see him expand his arsenal as far as getting into the backfield and, you know, beating blocks. Also, I don't know how his... I am interested to see how Army uses him. And, you know, I have some question marks as to, you know, if he's going to be made into a full-time linebacker. And some issues I might see with that is I think he's way more conservative when he plays a traditional linebacker position and, you know, needs to gain a little bit of aggressiveness and what have you. And, you know, I just, I'm interested to see how his size, frame, speed, and skills translate to the next level and how he ends up getting used. And talking about outlook here, you know, I think that, you know, I wouldn't mind a redshirt freshman year just so Army can kind of get a gauge slash, okay, obviously adjusting to school, adjusting to the Army regiment that he's going to be heading into, you know, there's going to be a very strict schedule there's going to be a lot of lifestyle changes i'm assuming for fambro coming up you know unless he wakes up and makes his bed every day or you know i i, I just think that 
you know, with any college, you have to adjust to lifestyle and the discipline. But with Army, I'd say even more so getting used to the schedule, getting used to what's being asked of you, doing your training at the same time as doing practice for football and getting your classes done. There's just a whole lot going on. So it's never a bad thing to have a redshirt year. And it allows the coaching staff to, you know, uh, and Fambro himself to use the facilities, get them a little bit stronger, get them a little bit faster, work on some technique and some footwork things. And, you know, just see how he's going to end up being used over the next couple of years. I think he's way too special of the athlete to leave him sitting on the shelf for too long, though. I wouldn't be surprised if he gets special team snaps, even as a true freshman. But I think that retro freshman year, he's obviously getting snaps. You know, his freshman year is um, true sophomore year. What have you is Richard freshman, Richard sophomore year. And, you know, he will be a starter on this army team at some position for probably two years would be my you know, expectation just based off of his performances at the state level, at the national level, and just his raw athleticism. He is just too dang good to not constantly get into the rotation. But that's kind of all I have on Fambro. I wish him the best of luck. And Fambro, along with Landry Smith, you guys are both obviously invited onto the show, as well as anybody else who I talk about on this episode. And, you know, we're going to be talking about another outside linebacker, this time out of Houston, Texas, coming up. Hey, y'all, and welcome back to the Playmakers Corner Podcast. I'm your host, Cody Stoffer, on this edition of Requests. Before I talk about the next prospect, I will mention that everything, make sure to listen to the last segment, if you didn't, about Chase Fambro in which I got everything correct, except for mentioning that he is a three-star recruit. So just keep that in mind and go ahead and listen back to it again. And you'll, a lot of things will make sense and the dots will connect. But <clears throat> moving on, talking about Ramir McCray out of Klein Kane High School in Houston, Texas, the 5'11", 210-pound outside linebacker. Ramir is definitely one of the more intriguing prospects who... I'd say has a lot of strength invested into one area and you know, it's an area that I don't get to watch all that often. And therefore it was a lot of fun to watch this film. So I'll talk about that one area specifically is that his spin move is his go-to and you know, it's been a minute since I've seen somebody whose spin move is specifically their go-to move, but Ramir makes it work because he leads his hip first and carries the rest of the body with him. Obviously, you know, the footwork is sufficient enough to utilize that spin move as often as he does, which is quite often on his highlight reel. I definitely would recommend it as a watch to anybody to watch Ramir McRae and just understand, you know, it's not a common move for a reason. It's a difficult thing to pull off. It requires a lot of body control. And, you know, it's a very technique-driven thing, as well as, you know, having the right athleticism to also pull it off. And Ramir has exactly that, you know, and like I said, he leads his hip first and it carries the rest of the body with him. And, you know, he manages to work it in in both the run and the pass game, which I think is the most impressive part because, you know, a lot of kiddos or a lot of athletes will save it for the pass game or, you know, they can only use it in the pass game or it's something to work more on the interior of the line for the run game. But Ramir is able to kind of do it on the outside in both situations and he's able to spin in or out depending on, you know, the flow of the play and where he needs to be. He does a great job of reading that and making sure that he uses it also correctly. It's not like an oversaturated move. It's just, you know, a well-used move that is his go-to, and he just excels at a spin move, really. I also want to mention that, you know, 
on top of that, if it wasn't evident by his IQ of using the spin move, then it must be evident that he has good football IQ and he also flows to the ball extremely well. And he takes tremendous angles to making tackles. You know, he's able to weave in and out of linemen and, you know, evade possible blockers as well as, you know, avoiding teammates who've taken the wrong angle or a bad angle or just in bad positions to make a lot of plays. And, you know, he does this while playing at a very high tempo, a very high speed. He's a very quick football player is what I will say. And, you know, I think that's evident. He does have this one tackle on a bubble screen where, you know, he's pretty behind, but the angle that he takes isn't a very steep angle. You can kind of tell players that take steeper angles are a little bit slower, but he takes a pretty sharp angle is what I will say. And he's able to still make the play just due to how quick he is at noticing things, at noticing plays and figuring it out. And he's also fast enough to catch up to that play. <clears throat> I will also say that, you know, while he does obviously use a spin move very well, and, you know, if it wasn't obvious, once again, based off of the way I was talking about how he flows to the ball, he has really solid footwork at just evading linemen. And, you know, it just works as another means of making plays where if a lineman comes at him too aggressively, especially like pulling guards or, you know, tackles that try and go second level on him, he just uses his footwork to get around them pretty easily. And, you know, his nimbleness or agility, however you want to call it, whatever the name of the shot is, you know, he's able to do exactly that and, you know, succeed at it and make even more tackles in the backfield via, you know, another source of getting into the backfield is what I'd say. And, you know, one last thing that I think was really encouraging to see is, you know, there's this one play where this slot receiver tries to block him and he just bull rushes straight through this slot receiver. And it's not like a completely undersized slot receiver. You know, it's a it's a decent sized receiver. And, you know, seeing him just bull rush through him and toss him to the side and still make the play in the backfield lets me know that he's way too strong for a receiver to block. And so that scales it a little bit as far as, you know, because you're like 5'11", 210, you know. I mean, it's a great frame, and it's like, how does he use it? And he uses it at least good enough to beat out those wide receivers and whatnot. <clears throat> Moving on and talking about some areas of improvement or just some things that I didn't see in Ramirez's film. And one of those things that I didn't see for an outside linebacker, he does play a lot on the line, but he does play a little bit off sometimes. And one very concerning thing is I didn't see any pass coverage film and, you know, that's going to add on to an overall question mark that I'm going to have later. But, yeah, it's he didn't match up against any tight ends. He didn't flow with any fullbacks or running backs out of the backfield. Or, you know, he didn't play any zone or nothing like that. Even in situations where I think he might have, just based off of his positioning and the defense's formation, there was no film of him then playing pass coverage. So, you know, that's a huge question mark to me. Simon and I have talked about it, especially on our linebackers episode. And once again, if you haven't listened to that, go ahead and jump back to episode number 23 is our top five class of 2021 linebackers. If you haven't listened to it, give it a listen. We talk about things that we look for at the next level and things that scouts are looking for at the next level and what to expect out of an all around linebacker. And we agreed that versatility is something that is very important to us. And, you know, Ramir here is just lacking, you know, that extra dimension of versatility that allows him to get onto the field more slash as a coach i don't have to take him off the field right i want those versatile athletes i want to be able to you know play them as much as possible so that they can do their thing and dominate and ramir i just don't know if he has that extra dimension 
In addition to that, talking about things that he can control, I will say that he tackles and plays way too high. And, you know, almost on every single play, he tackles at the shoulder pads. And, you know, when you do that, you don't always stop the play where it is. You know, the other player may fall forward pretty often, especially if they're lower than you or, you know, if they just have better positioning because, you know, they're coming at you and you're engaging them, right? So I think that there's a lot of plays that he can make sooner or, you know, shouldn't gain as many yards if he lowers that tackling form and, you know, he wraps up around those hips and drives the ball carrier backwards instead of getting hit, you know. I will also say that, you know, his pad level being high also makes it easier for linemen to engage with him when they're squared up. And I just don't think that he has the hand fighting or the strength to compete against squared up guards. And, you know, that it's like a two-way slope, right, with that. But, you know, at the next level, the guards are only going to be bigger. They're only going to be stronger. And, you know, I keep thinking about Rod Green specifically as as a guard or, you know, even your Wilson Clarks, if they get their hands on you at the center position or, you know, your Anthony Tokinis, wherever they're at, you know, you got to make sure because once they when guards square up on him then he has to make the play after the line of scrimmage is what i saw in most of the film and you just you have got to get stronger you've got to get stronger hand fighting moves and the most important thing is you got to win leverage against those guys otherwise you're not going to stand a chance otherwise you're right where they want you to be and so just work on bringing that pad level down and yeah that's that's the biggest thing i will say ramir needs to work on this offseason is just lowering those pads working on understanding why he needs to and what that leverage necessarily means i know it's not original here on playmakers corner but i'll be damned if it's not one of the most common mistakes that a lot of young players make is just forgetting about leverage and where their strength really comes from and that's from being low in addition to that you know i i will say that when he is rolled back into a more traditional linebacker position you know off the line you know the the footwork is you know it's it's not bad you know it's serviceable is what i'll say but it doesn't exactly jump off the film and when he is rolled back into that position he plays a lot more conservatively you know he kind of waits for the play to come to him whereas when he's on the line you know he's going downfield hard as he can but you know i think that he could watch a little bit more film in that sense and you know understand his assignments a little bit more in that traditional linebacker spot and work on that and you know show that he can play that play in the past game and what have you, then I think that is a huge boost to his recruitment. And so I'll talk about that coming up now where like on outlook. So I wasn't able to find out where he necessarily has interest from. And, you know, he, he had pretty good numbers as a junior, you know, three sacks, four tackles for loss. And I think he had around like 70 tackles. So, you know, he obviously has production, but there's obviously still a lot of work to be done. And, you know, if I'm a school looking at Ramir McRae, I just don't really know where I'm going to put him because I don't know if he's going to have the strength against some of these bigger tackles and guards coming in off the edge. And so obviously I'd say, Ramir, work on your strength training, get stronger the whole offseason, work on your hand fighting especially, and work on getting your hands up and on the linemen before they get their hands on you and just get lower. I think that that'll increase, you know, your want right now drastically because as of now, I mean, you're a great, you know, prototypical size for a next level linebacker and you know, you have a smooth you have a smooth spin move 
and decent finesse moves. But there's just a lot of question marks from your film where, you know, I and I will also mention that Ramir here is a solid special teams player who makes electrifying hits and, you know, just makes plays wherever he is on the field, including, you know, just touchdowns galore when given the chance, you know, on stuff like strips and stuff, but or fumble recoveries. But they're, you know, those points have to be more consistent and they have to have you know, a reason behind it, like the strip for the touchdown on special teams, like between special teams and what he's done on the defensive side of the ball. I want him on my team. I just don't know if he exceeds a D two immediate starter level. And from a D one perspective, you know, the frame is amazing. And I think that, you know, he'd be more of a get him into the facilities and see what he can do kind of player. So like I said, bare minimum D two, you know, at the at the next level, I do think he could be D1, depending on what he shows us his senior year. And, you know, I think that if he goes to a D1 program, you're looking at a redshirt year, bulking him up, getting him stronger. And if you're at a D2 program, he could potentially be a four-year starter. Obviously, you know, that gap exists for a reason. And I know that that leaves a lot of gray area here for Ramir. But, you know, he'll he'll decide and he'll tell us his story, you know, with this senior season. So obviously, like every other recruit on this show, Ramir, I wish you nothing but the best and invite you onto the show if you so please. And yeah, that does it for Ramir McRae out of Klein Kane High School in Texas. And last but not least, we'll have one more D lineman coming up. Hello, y'all, and welcome back to the final segment of Requests Part 41. I'm your host, Cody Stoffer, and last but not least, we have a very intriguing prospect here and a very underrated prospect. In my opinion, he reminds me of Malik from our Defensive Lineman episode, which if you haven't heard that, that will be episode 15, so go ahead and check that out. But enough talking about the past and talking about the future and the present. We're going to talk about Eric Eib or Eric Ibe. Just, uh, may Eric, go ahead and reach out to us and correct me, you know, and come on to the show and chop it up and tell me how it's supposed to be. But, you know, Eric here is a 245-pound D lineman out of Jackson Memorial High School in New Jersey. And if that name sounds familiar, it is from one of our very first out-of-state request episodes where I talked about their running back. So be sure to check that out. And, you know, Eric has a lot of accolades, but I'm going to save that for after the areas of improvement. I want to see Eric talking about, you know, heading into the future this offseason and heading into his senior year of high school. I want to see him both get faster and bigger. I think that the easiest way to evade Eric here is to roll out to the opposite side with a deep rollout because, you know, it will probably just take too long for him to get there. Obviously, this is a byproduct of being an interior lineman in the first place, especially one who typically gets doubled. And, you know, it's a lot easier to kind of wash him out of the play if you have some down blocks on a rollout. So, you know... That's one way that I would evade Eric, but, you know, the fact that I have to game plan around him in the first place just indicates how great of a player he is, in my opinion. But getting back to, you know, areas of improvement, just I think increasing speed will help him out a lot because he has a lot of hurries as well that I think if he's just maybe, maybe an eighth of a step faster or even a quarter step faster in the best case scenario, he turns a lot of these hurries into sacks, honestly. So, or, or quarterback hits 
which, you know, a lot of his hurries end up being quarterback hits. But, you know, just that extra quarter step even, I think, adds on to a lot of sacks and makes his impact even greater on the defensive side of the ball than it already is. I also want to see kind of an uptick in situational awareness because, you know, he bull rushes linemen sometimes and, you know, he knocks them on their butt and it's hype. It's a great play. It's a great display of strength. It's a great display of technique and power, but it doesn't really matter on some plays when the play has already gone the other way. I'd rather see Eric, you know, push off of that and try and take an angle or, you know, take out cutback lanes for running backs rather than you know, destroying a lineman five yards behind the line of scrimmage when the play is, you know, on the right side of the formation when the play has already gone to the left side of the formation. So I just want to see him, you know, use his eyes a little bit more and just show a little bit more situational awareness so that he's never out of a play because I think that, you know, Eric's tenacity and speed and the other traits that he has makes him a part of every single play, whether it's hurries, whether it's tackles, whether it's screen plays, whether it's pass plays, run plays, what have you. He is a part of every single play because he is such a an elite athlete and, you know, he just has such great versatility. But I'll talk about strengths in a little bit. Sorry, I'm getting excited because he was a lot of fun to watch and, like I said, a huge reminder of Malik. But, you know, I think that he just needs to know when to bull rush alignment into the ground and when not to just a little bit, depending on the play. And I would also like to see, you know, I want to see him rolled out to the defensive end position. I want to see him play a little bit of stand-up D-end if he can. You know, I think that, you know, if he increases his speed and shows that versatility, he reminds me so much of Malik from Cherry Creek here, who, you know, was tied for the number one defensive lineman in the class of 2021 and is a commit to CSU Pueblo, even though, you know, Simon and I agree that he's definitely a D1 guy. And, you know, it, I think that on top of that, that Eric here can just get bigger and stronger anyway in the offseason and just take out more lanes by just being a mammoth in the middle as well. I think that, you know, th those are two, I guess, routes that he can take as far as what kind of player he's going to be. Either one that plays inside, outside, upside down, or, you know, if he just becomes, you know, just a mammoth in the middle of that defensive line. And now talking about some strengths here of Eric is the biggest strength that he has is just the versatility in his pass rush or block shed moves. And, you know, the body control slash balance to follow through on these various rushes. You know, if you watch his highlight reel, it shows a, you know, really good football IQ because he labels the techniques that he's using. It shows a love for the game and a love for the film room, I think, because these moves are obviously based off of NFL players and he watches a lot of football and he models his game after professional athletes and, you know, college athletes really well. And, you know, I think that no matter what he watches football wise, that he's going to learn something from it, especially if he's watching last game's film or, you know, their opponent's film, he knows how to exploit different linemen, and he knows different linemen's weaknesses, and, you know, he just knows how to beat certain offensive lines and what techniques he needs to use or can use to beat said lines. So I think he has a great football mind, high football IQ, and, you know, I kind of rambled a little bit there because I just, it's just amazing to watch him play football. I mean, his go-to move of the swim move has great technique and even better footwork it's basically unguardable against anyone i saw him use it against and yeah that <laughs> there's no better way to put it is that he just will get into the 
backfield if he uses swim move. There's one play where he uses, or one series, I should say, where he hits somebody with a swim move like three, two or three plays in a row. And it works every time because, you know, it's like, it's just when the technique is just so perfect, it's going to take a miracle to stop this guy, especially with the athletic freak that he is. And, you know, just with the size and frame, he does move around very well. I think he's really agile, especially for being 6'1", 245 pounds. That's why I think that, you know, you can slide him all around the line and even stand up edge him because, you know, he's just so athletic, in my opinion, and just so good at doing whatever he's asked to do in the middle. And then, obviously, you know, I think that, like I, okay, I literally nitpicked that he bull rushes linemen on plays that don't matter, but... <laughs> I mean, at the same time, there's some guys that I talked about who don't have a bull rush on here, and Eric absolutely has a bull rush, and it's strong, and, you know, he bullies linemen, and he's pushed guards into quarterbacks on pass plays. He's pushed centers into a run play. He's pushed both into run and pass plays and just absolutely created a log jam in the middle and congested traffic bad enough to, you know, essentially make the play where it, he kind of reminds me of, like, hulk in that incredible hulk movie where he puts the two cars on his hands and uses them as boxing gloves and he just like basically boxes that one guy's ears that's what eric here does with offensive linemen and he's, he crushes running backs and quarterbacks with their own teammates which is unheralded at you know this high school level and he routinely faces and beats double teams you know just because he's either stronger than them he's more agile than them he's and certainly, he's one of the most creative defensive linemen that I've ever seen, you know, as far as the all these film breakdowns that I've done. And I think it's a sham that he's a zero-star recruit. Honestly, I do. Sorry, still talk, talking about Outlook, but coming back to Eric here, I also think that he has a great throw where he just engages his hips and legs very well. And like I said with his arms already, he's incredibly strong. And, you know, he can throw some linemen, especially, you know, some of those smaller centers or some of those tackles. He can just throw them to the side with just his arms. But, you know, if a guard is more his size, he does a great job of engaging those, hip, those hips and locking those arms and getting those legs and twisting, you know, into that throw and tossing them to the side and making the play in the backfield. You know, he's just an incredible talent and just does so many things well that he's a must-have recruit. And, you know, I think that, yeah, his creativity and his ability to cause high levels of congestion and, you know, he just has ways to the ball on every single play. And he has more than three, I'd say, paths of flight to making a play on any given play. And for that versatility alone and that football IQ alone, Eric, Eric Ebe is a must-have prospect. I think that, you know, that, like I said, the zero stars, absolute sham. Just for some reference here, I, I'll bring up some stats. Eric here, his junior year, had 50 tackles, including 16 for loss. So he's getting seven tackles a game from the defensive lineman position. So, you know, those linebackers get to kind of relax. But the real surprising thing, and this is including assists, right, is that 32% of the time, he's making a tackle in the backfield. That is... That's a very high percentage for those of you who don't know. And, you know, as far as pass rush stats go, he tacked on nine sacks from the defensive tackle position, which is super incredible. You know, he's nearing that double-digit sack mark. I bet he'll get it this year. 
You know, I'd be really surprised if he didn't, you know. And this was in a seven-game season, so he's averaging over a sack per game. He's averaging over two tackles for loss per game. And, you know, he tacked on another five hurries. And like I said, uh, an eighth of a step more, and he has 10 sacks at the end of this year, or a quarter of a step more, he has 10 sacks this year. And in addition to that, he also caused one fumble and recovered one fumble. He hits super hard. He's a super intense football player. And he's just all around a phenomenal athlete who, you know, led the Shore Conference that he plays in in sacks. And he led defensive tackles in the state of New Jersey in sacks. And, you know, obviously, there's there's some schools that haven't figured out. He has some interest from, from what I've seen, Columbia, Dartmouth, UConn, and Monmouth. I'm sure that there's more, but... There is not enough interest from Eric. I easily think that he should be a three-star athlete, in my opinion, if not more. He's super versatile, and that's another reason why he reminds me so much of Malik is because Malik, in my opinion, was such a disrespected kind of, you know, under-the-radar athlete who was only getting a little bit of attention, right? But, you know, that's just my opinion. I wish Eric nothing but the best in this recruiting process. And, you know, I'd love to have him on the show along with any of the other recruits. So that does it for this episode of the Playmakers Corner Podcast. Once again, this was Request Part 41 with your host, Cody Stoffer. If you don't already, please sure to subscribe to us wherever you listen to your podcasts. And if you're not aware of some other options, we are on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Anchor, and a couple of others and like Brinker, I believe. And, you know, make sure to subscribe so you get notifications whenever we release new episodes, usually on Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays. Be on the lookout for new content. We are definitely behind on TikToks, and we know that. But this summer, we got you covered. We're going to get caught up. And, yeah, you know, I just am very thankful for all the listens. Make sure to share this with your friends, family, and other athletes. Go ahead and plug us. And if you have any requests, please send them in. DM us or email us. You can find information on any of our link trees in our social medias, which is Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok as well. You can find all of our information there, and we will get you on our list, and we're still chugging along. So thank you so much for your patience to all of our athletes who've been waiting so long for their name to be called, and thank you so much for the listen, and I hope that you have a wonderful time. Please stay tuned for our episode on Friday. Peace.